forever God is with us. Forever God is faithful. Forever God is strong. Isn't that great to be reminded of that this Thanksgiving weekend? Of just how good and gracious and faithful that the Lord is. Hey, it's good to be with you this morning. And uh, I don't know if you had an opportunity to check in the, in the uh, bulletin this morning, but the topic of today's message I've entitled The Kiss Principle for Spiritual Growth. The Kiss Principle for Spiritual Growth. Now, I'm not trying to insult anybody with that. It's K-I-S-S. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, oh, that Kiss Principle. Oh, I mean the thing I hear at work that the people talk about, the Kiss Principle. And, or the thing I've heard in the military or the thing I've heard at school, the Kiss Principle for simplicity, for, for Christian growth. Again, I don't want to offend anybody, but um, I do have a college kid home uh, this weekend, and one of the things he told me, he said, Dad, if you're preaching this week, he says, remember to keep it simple and keep it short. He said, simple is better, short is better. So I'm trying to remember that, trying to honor his wishes, and that he said would benefit all of you. But in addition to that, in addition to that, when you work on staff at a church like Door Creek, you never know what kind of characters you might be working with. And so the KISS principle came into mind as I was thinking about some of the people that I work with here on staff at Door Creek Church and some of the things that go on around here when you're not here like this. Ready? Oh, did that hurt? No? Come on. Oh! Out. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get her. All right, do it. All right, one. Mm-hmm. Ah. No, I think I think it's, it's gotta be harder. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. show it. It's gotta be harder. Okay. Okay. Simple is better. And so uh, that's, that's what goes on during the week while you're not here. And uh, those are just some of the things that go on. I won't tell you the rest. Um, but simple is better. The other reason I like to keep it simple and use the KISS principle for this morning is that you know I've got a military background. And when I was an instructor at Fort Bragg in North Carolina, uh, they would teach us how to teach soldiers. And here's what they would say. They said, when you're teaching, tell them what you're going to tell them. Tell them. And tell them what you told them. So in keeping with that, I want to tell you what I'm going to tell you this morning. Okay, you ready? Here it is. The primary means for spiritual growth is for you to be in God's word. 
The primary means for spiritual growth is to be in God's Word. It's not the only means for spiritual growth, but it is the primary. Uh, hopefully you're, you're growing when you come to service, when you worship together, when you hear Pastor Mark preach and teach, you're, that you're growing. Hopefully that you're growing when you're in a small group Bible study. I mean, that's a, that's a significant way of growth. And there's a variety of different ways that we can grow. But the primary means for spiritual growth is to be in God's Word. Or to put it another way, keep in Scripture's saint. Keep in Scripture saints. So I know I kind of fooled you a little bit, huh? You thought I was talking about the other kind of kiss principle. But this one is keep in Scripture saint. And what I'd like to do is for us to turn into our Bibles. If you have your Bible with you or a chair Bible in front of you, page 833. We're going to read a little bit from Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. Colossians 1, verses 9 through 14. I love the book of Colossians. It's kind of like... My book, it's Bob's book. This is a short little uh, epistle or letter that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. And I like it. I've gotten from there my life verse and a number of different things for my life that I claim through the book of Colossians. So it's just fitting that, for at least for me, that we take a look at that. So let's take a look at verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, and being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and he has brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we would ask that you would take the reading of your word, the teaching of your word, and that you, by your Holy Spirit and through your servant, that you would apply it to our hearts. And so, Lord, give us ears that listen, give us hearts that are receptive. And help us to obey the promptings of your Holy Spirit to apply its truth to our lives. We ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Well, Colossians 1.9, actually all of the book of Colossians, as I said, is one of my favorite books in the Bible. And uh, Paul here is writing to the uh, church in the city of Colossae. And there were some good things happening in, in the, with the Colossian believers. Uh, we're told in the first eight verses there in chapter 1 that people were coming to faith in Jesus Christ, that they were believing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, just as many of you have done, where you've come to the point of realization that Jesus not only died for the world, but he died on the cross for your sins, that he died for your sins, for my sins, that he was buried, and he rose again after three days, and now is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That's what they have come to believe. And that gospel of the good news of the gospel of Christ began to permeate and enrich their lives, so much so that they began to bear fruit around that known part of the world. And Paul is commending them for that. It kind of reminds me a little bit of what God is doing here at Door Creek Church. And I think that uh, Paul could be writing to us here at Door Creek. And for today's purposes, he really is writing to us here at Door Creek because there are some neat things going on here at our church. And maybe you get little snapshots of it. I get little snapshots as a pastor, things that maybe you don't hear or you're not aware of, 
aware of. But some of you were here on Wednesday night for our Thanksgiving Eve service, and we had over 30 people baptized. And uh, it's a little unconventional, but we had a hot tub right here, and we had people lined up, and they shared with us their love for Jesus and why they wanted to get baptized. And basically, they were declaring their love for Jesus Christ and their desire to walk with him from this day forward. That's a good thing. God is doing that, and he's doing it in many of your lives as you're sitting there. There's some of you who have come this morning. You don't know why you're here, but God's drawing you here. And you sense that the Holy Spirit of God is doing something in your life. There's good things going on in the church in Colossae and in the church here at Door Creek. But, you know, it's not enough just to grow old in the faith. Maybe you've come to a point years ago where you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And there is such a thing as growing old in the faith. And yet, what God wants us to do is to mature in the faith. I have a picture here of my kids a number of years ago. There's Betsy kneeling there in her little sailor suit, and Wade, the little guy who's back from college, is there in his little sailor suit, and Brad is the oldest, and he's, um, he's sitting there in the center. And I can remember just some really good times uh, with them as a dad. I can remember making blanket forts. We ma- we'd make those blanket forts. I remember uh, playing restaurant. You know, that was a little stretch. And what really was a stretch... Uh, for me with, with Betsy is playing Barbie dolls. That was really a stretch. Uh, and I tried to get Betsy interested in soccer and some other sports. And the boys, of course, like that kind of thing. But we, we'd have a lot of times wrestling, moving the furniture in the living room so we could wrestle together, laugh together, making forts. We also lived on a cul-de-sac in Minnesota. And during the winter, you know, we'd get quite a bit of snow. And they'd plow all that snow up in the center of the cul-de-sac. So the kids would go out there with the shovels and dig foxholes and tunnels and things like that. And then, of course, we'd have snowball fights great memories. I am so grateful for those things. And I know some of you have grown kids and uh, some of you who have been further down the road than we are have looked at us when we were at those child-rearing ages and they say, boy, the time goes by fast. And now I'm at the point where the kids are grown and I can look at younger families, those of you with younger families that say, boy, the time goes by fast. And it's, it's a wonderful time that you want to enjoy. But one of the things that you want to do is you want to see your kids not only grow old, but that they mature, that they're making the right choices, that they began to gain an appreciation for their upbringing, and they begin to apply some of the things that you've been teaching them. You know, the fact is that spiritual growth is a lot like physical growth, and it would be a tragic thing if people grew old but didn't mature. And it's the same thing in the Christian life. Well, why do we want to grow spiritually? Well, in this passage, Paul lays out what I believe are four reasons for us to grow spiritually. The first one is to live a life worthy and pleasing to God. To live a life worthy and pleasing to God. If you look at verse 10 again, and we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. That you live a life worthy of the Lord. Why do we want to mature in Christ? Why do we want to grow? So that we live a life worthy of Christ. He's called us uh, I think of that verse in Philippians 1.6. He said, He who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. God has a work to do in each of our lives. And he wants us to live a life that's pleasing to him. One of the things that's been kind of fun for me to hear as a dad is I'll hear my kids say, Well, you know, we're good cells and good cells do this. You know, well, more importantly than being a good cell and doing the right thing, it's knowing that we are children of God and that we want to please him, and we want to live a life that's worthy of him. So we want to please him. And when we have a good relationship with 
our parents here on earth and with our Heavenly Father, there's a natural tendency to live your life in a way that your parents would approve of. And likewise, with our Heavenly Father. The second reason for growing is to bear fruit. And that, again, is found in uh, verse 10. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Now, what does it mean to bear fruit? Um, In uh, John 15, 16, Jesus said, You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would last, or your fruit would remain. I think uh, one of the ways that we would say it here as, uh, as American parents, we'd say, you know, I want my kid to grow up to be a productive citizen. I want my kid to get an education. I want him to have a job. I want him to, you know, uh, you know pump into the economy, and I want them to, uh, to give to their community. We might say something like that. More importantly, we want our children as Christian parents to be people who not only are good citizens here in this side of eternity, but are citizen of, citizens of God's kingdom. Because we, what we want to do is how we live our lives, whether through our education, through our marriage relationship, through our family relationships, through our jobs, we want to bear fruit and point people to Jesus Christ. That's what it means to bear fruit. That our lives would count for him. One of my friends had a... Uh, a definition of what does it mean to give glory to God. And this was his definition. I really liked it. He says, uh, glorifying God means to make God look good in his son well known. To make God look good in his son well known. That's how we bear fruit is by telling people, pointing people as they're ready, as they're prepared, as their hearts are receptive and pointing them to God so that they would come to the same faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ that we have. So God wants us to bear fruit. That's why we need to grow. The third reason is to strengthen us for the long haul. Strengthen us for the long haul. Verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. You know, life is sweet, isn't it? There's a sweetness about life. Libby and I were just talking the other day about the fact that the older we get, the more we're enjoying some of the sweet things of life that aren't material, they're not possessions, they're relationships with people, they're simple pleasures. Uh, I said this in the last service, I'll share it with you. Uh, The other day, uh, I was sitting down in our family room and preparing for this uh, message, and my big chocolate lab, who's 10 years old, 90-pound chocolate lab, who's a great hunter, he comes and he sits at my feet, and I looked at this old guy, he's getting old and his whiskers are turning gray and I just thank God for my dog. Now, those of you who are pet owners and pet lovers, you can maybe identify with that. That's a simple pleasure. It's just a dog. But you know what? That dog has given me a lot of pleasure as I've been out in the field with him and seen him hunt birds and you know, on how obedient he is. There's been pleasure in that. And what's important is that life is sweet but life can also be long and hard, can it? And some of you are sitting out there and you know exactly what I'm talking about because maybe you're going through a divorce right now or have just weathered a divorce and you're still very much hurt from that relationship. Some of you are hearing or thinking about maybe being laid off from your job. There's some of you that are anxious about the future and what might be coming. And then some of us, I've been sick for a while 
and we go to the doctor and we're going on the medications, we're doing what the doctor says and we don't know what's wrong. So life can be hard. And oftentimes we approach life with this trial and error kind of thing where we try something, if it works, great. If it doesn't, I'll try something else. And one of the benefits of maturing and growing our relationship with God is knowing that he's there with us to weather the storms of life, to face the challenges of a hard and difficult life in whatever way that might be possible. So we need to grow and mature so that we're strengthened in our lives and our walk with him. And then fourthly, we need to grow to express appreciation for what we have, to express appreciation for what we have. You know, it's, uh, uh, it's only natural that us as uh, uh, human beings, in fact, let me lead, read that uh, scripture first um, before I get further down there. Uh, verse 12 and 13, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Wow. That's what we have in Jesus Christ. That's what God has given us. And as we mature, as we get older, we begin to gain an appreciation of all the good things that God has given us. And likewise, in the physical realm, the older we get, the more mature we get, we gain an appreciation for some of the sacrifices that our parents were, were giving to us. And some of you are at the point maybe in your relationship with your kids where you think, well, I haven't heard any appreciation from my kids, not yet. And it might be just the life stage they're at that maybe they haven't matured to that point of really expressing a heartfelt thanks. Here's a picture of our kids uh, today. This is uh, on Betsy's wedding day. Uh, here this past January. And by the way, a number of you heard uh, Adam Wood give his story of grace a few weeks ago where he uh, talked about trading in his cool card. Well, he traded his cool card when he met my daughter, and uh, he is our son-in-law, so we are very grateful. And he and Betsy met here at Door Creek Church. Good things can happen when you come to church. And uh, they were working together with the junior hires, and they still do. Um, but Betsy, on her, on her wedding day and leading up to that, it was just very gratifying for us as parents to hear her express her appreciation of the cost and the effort of helping her with college because uh, she graduated from college this year as well as getting married and with the wedding. And we've heard thank yous from the boys. And sometimes you wonder if that's ever going to come. But as a person matures, they begin to gain a, a little bit of an appreciation for what you tried to do as an imperfect parent. How much more does God enjoy hearing from us what he's given us? And when you look at that passage of Scripture, wow, he's given us an inheritance, he's rescued us, he's redeemed us, he's brought us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You know, he's given us the forgiveness of sins. And all we have to do as we grow and mature in him is thank him for what he's done. And this is a great time of year to do that, reflecting on what God's done for us well um, that kind of covers on why we need to grow but the big question is how do we grow okay Bob you say okay I I believe you're here I need to grow I need to mature I don't want to just get old in my faith I want to mature in my faith so what does that mean how do I go about doing that well I'd like to share with you two ways to do that one is through community here at Door Creek Church and one is how do you grow individually or personally here at 
uh, not at Door Creek Church, but in, in your own walk with God, personally at home and at work and at play. How do you go about doing that? So, but before I do that, I want to give you three ground rules, three things to keep in mind as you think about your spiritual growth. The first one is you must take initiative and responsibility for your own growth. You must take initiative and responsibility for your own growth because no one else is going to do it for you, right? You have to want to grow. You have to want to take the next step of growing. And we might provide all kinds of programs, activities, events, conferences, Bible studies, all kinds of things for you to have an opportunity to grow and mature in Christ, but you have to take the initiative. Some of you may be fortunate enough to have a friend or family member who say, hey, I'm going to get into this Bible study. You need to come with me. You need to do it too. But most of us will not have that. So you need to look for ways in which you can grow and take initiative. Secondly, you grow best by being part of a community. You grow best by being a part of community. One of the things I've noticed here at Door Creek is that we have a number of people, and maybe you're one of them sitting out there, who you grew up in a church. You went to church for a while. And then you decided, well, I need a break or I'm, gonna, I'm pursuing something else. And you left church for a while. And in that time frame, you realize, you know, I'm not doing well on my own. I need to grow. I'm not growing. I need some Christian brothers and sisters who can hold me accountable, who are positive towards spiritual things, who can help and encourage me and even model for me growth. And for some reason, you find yourself here. And I think God's brought you here for a very specific reason. And that is that we grow best in community. We grow best in community. That brings us to our third point. Growth is a lifelong process. Growth is a lifelong process. Until Jesus takes you home or takes me home, and we don't know when that's going to be, we have this side of eternity to continue to grow. And guys, we got to grow. We've got to grow. Because if we're not growing, we don't just stand still. We kind of do, you've heard the old term, backsliding. That's what happens if we're not growing. So we might accumulate a lot of knowledge. You might know the Bible in and out. But the big thing is, are you growing in your relationship and in maturity with Jesus Christ? That's the important thing. Okay, having said that, let's... uh, Let's talk about something that uh, you've heard Pastor Mark refer to and something yours truly has been working on. It's called the Pathway of Discipleship here at Dora Creek Church. And so I just want to point this out to you really quick, quickly. As I said, there's a lot of ways that you can grow. The primary way is through the scriptures. And one of the ways that we, primary ways that we have you grow here at Dora Creek Church is through home groups, through small groups of different kinds. And I'm going to hit on that in a moment. But the other thing that we're looking on developing is four core classes that we'd like everyone at Door Creek to, to take. And these would augment and supplement your home groups or the women's group, whatever group that you're in for Bible study. And here's what they are. If you look at the purple one, Discovering Door Creek, that's basically uh, entry level. That's one, we're calling that Seminar 101. Um, whether you, and this is a prerequisite for membership. It's kind of our membership class. But more importantly, you don't have to join the church officially to go through 101. But there you'll find out who we are, what we do, and why we do things the way we do it. You'll learn about our mission, our vision, and our values. You'll learn about our statement of faith. And uh, you'll have an opportunity at that point to decide whether you want to become a member at Door Creek Church. That certainly doesn't limit your involvement here at the church. But that's discovering Door Creek. And then from there, in the green diamond, you'll, you'll notice we have discovering uh, your spiritual maturity, 
Discovering Spiritual Maturity. And there, again, this would be packaged uh, ideally in a three-hour seminar and where you come and you'll learn the basic disciplines or habits of the Christ follower, of prayer, of how to have a quiet time, Bible study, those kinds of things, so that you have the foundations to walk as a disciple, as a Christ follower of Jesus Christ. Okay, and that brings us down to the um, uh, Blue Diamond, Discovering My Ministry. And this is uh, a seminar that Pastor Mark is working on regarding spiritual gifts. What are your spiritual gifts so that you can bear fruit for the Lord Jesus Christ? How has God wired and equipped equipped and gifted you to bear fruit? And uh, so Pastor Mark will be teaching that uh, 301 seminar. And after you're done with that, we're going to connect you with Together We Serve, which is a ministry here at Church of Lay Volunteers who are trained in the spiritual gifts and are aware of different places that you can volunteer and use your gifts within the four walls of Door Creek Church. But beyond that, there's opportunities to serve in the community. And you'll find that whether it be with the Salvation Army or Habitat for Humanity or Interfaith Hospitality Network, maybe those are, you can use your gifts in one of those areas or maybe God's placed on your heart a community organization or ministry that's dear, near and dear to your heart where you can use your spiritual gifts and get involved. That then leads us to the last diamond, discovering my mission. And there, really what we're going to do is we're going to review some of what Pastor Mark talked about in the last four weeks of walking across the room. Remember what that's about? Building friendships, building relationships with people who may not yet know Christ. Sharing your story working on your story and being ready and willing to share your story as the Lord gives you opportunity. And then being able to share the gospel in a simple way. That then opens it up for opportunities to minister in a, in a broader spectrum. And with that, you know, you may, God may call you to experience a cross-cultural missions trip, whether here in the States or in Guatemala with Los Olivos or maybe some other place of the world. That's what we're working on, and you'll be hearing more about that in the days to come. That's just kind of a structure to help you grow. But remember, you have to take initiative to get growing yourself, and we'll provide some of the means to help you with that. Again, as I mentioned, on the next slide is the fact that uh, Bible study groups are the primary means for us to grow corporately together as a body of Jesus Christ here. And we have home groups. Home groups are geographical groups throughout Dane County and uh, um, and if you're not yet in a home group I want you to write this date down on January Monday night January 14th we're going to have our next quick connect how many of you went through the last quick connect can I just see a show of hands okay a number of you know what that was and uh, basically you'll sign up with the church office say hey I want to get in a home group they will give you the date of quick connect on January 14th you'll come into this Uh, this room or maybe one of the quads and there will be tables there with different locations throughout the metro area and there will be a trained small group leader facilitating that table you'll get to know people from your geographical area then you'll determine a date when you're going to start your group and again there's small group leaders already assigned and then you'll meet for five or six weeks with um, some small group material and after that you can assess whether you want to continue to grow or go on with that group. So it's, it's really a five or six week launch as a home group. That's the backbone of how we want to grow believers here at Door Creek. But then there's other ways, and some of you find for convenience, ha- are in men's groups, women's groups, 
Uh, there's student groups. If you're in rock or extreme, you know that you gather together in a large group and then you break it down into small groups. We think that groups and Bible studies are so important that we even have them in a children's ministry. So whether it's a WANA or a Kid Jam, we break the kids up into small groups because that's where we feel that you can put the rubber to the road and get to know God's word a little bit better. So I've talked a little bit about uh, growing in community. The other thing I want to bring up again is that the primary means for spiritual growth for you as an individual is this, that, the, that you stay in God's word, that you be in God's word. Or put another way, keep in Scripture's saint. Keep in Scripture's saint. Now, why am I emphasizing that we need to be in the Scriptures? Well, in the book of Ephesians and in the book of Hebrews, the Bible talks about this book, the Bible, as a sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. And actually, it's the only offensive weapon that we have, according to Ephesians 6. It's the only offensive weapon we have. And the scriptures in uh, Hebrew says that this sword is mighty, it's powerful, and it pierces into our hearts and souls, and it helps discern the thoughts and attitudes of our own hearts. So as we're in God's word, as we're in the sword of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, in only the way that he can do. See, I might be able to point out something in your life a blind spot, and you might look at me and say, Bob, who are you to point that out to me? But when we're in God's word and the Holy Spirit (laughs) points something out to us, we listen. Because when he points something out, he doesn't judge us. He doesn't condemn us. He does surgery. That two-edged sword of the sword of the Spirit is really like a scalpel that the Holy Spirit uses And he does some work in our hearts. And he chips away in those areas in our lives that maybe we've been trying to hide from him or hide from others. And he does what he needs to do to transform our hearts, to do a deep heart change as we're in God's word. That's why it's important for us to be in God's word, is for the Holy Spirit to take his word and use it in our lives. The Bible also says that as we're in God's word that God will remove from us our heart of stone and he'll give us a heart of flesh. That happens as we're in God's word and we allow the Holy Spirit to use his word to permeate our hearts. We then become people whose lives are changed and getting back to our mission statement as a church who then can change the world for Christ as we're in God's word. Some of you have uh, watched Channel 27 News. And Bob Lindmeyer is a meteorologist, right? I like watching Channel 27. And uh, it's kind of funny. We used to live in Madison, and I come back to Madison after being gone like 15 years. Bob Lindmeyer is still a meteorologist here. He's been around for a long time. And Bob has the four-degree guarantee. Remember that? Some of you have seen 27. He's got the, and so a- actually the way it works is you send in a postcard, and if Bob is off by more than four degrees on the temperature for that day, he picks a card out of the bin, right? And he reads your name on the air, and you get a great prize, like a umbrella. Okay? I mean, that's kind of what you get. And uh, so that's Bob's, Lynn Meyer's, you know, four-degree guarantee. Well, today, 
I want to give you Pastor Bob's five-minute guarantee. Five, Pastor Bob's five-minute guarantee. And what I'm, this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you over the next few weeks, and you might want to check with each other, with a spouse or with a friend, I want to challenge you, even though it's a holiday season, to spend five to ten minutes a day in God's Word. Personally, whatever, whatever. If you're a morning person, great, get a cup of coffee. Before you read the paper, before you turn on the TV news or check your email, five to ten minutes a day. Or before you go to bed, whenever you're going to use that time, five to ten minutes a day. But you say, well, Bob, that's not enough. Well, you know what? I want you to live in victory because I know what it's like when I've tried to read God's word and I try and maybe I start out excited and I'm good for about a week and then I miss a day, right? And then before you know, I've missed two days, three days, two weeks, three weeks. I start feeling guilty. I start going back. I try to start all over again. I want you, to get you guys to live in victory. Five minutes a day. Can you handle it? I think you can. Five minutes a day maybe 10 minutes, and let that baby grow. Don't say, I'm going to start a half hour, I'm going to start an hour, and not be able to do it, or you're looking at your watch all the time. Live in victory, five to 10 minutes a day. And as you open your God's word, here's what I want you to ask. I want God to speak to you. I want you to ask God to speak to you. So as you open up God's word, here's some of the questions you can ask. God, is there a sin for me to confess? Is there a sin to confess? And God will show that to you. And he'll bring repentance in only the way that he can. P, is there a promise to claim? Maybe you're going through a really tough time now and you read the promise, I am with you. I will never forsake you. You know, take my yoke upon you. You know, whatever it is, God's word is full of promises that are going to meet your need for that day. Is there a promise to claim? And then, is there an example to follow? Is there an example to follow? Um, there are all kinds of positive and neg- negative examples in the scripture of people who walked with God and people who didn't. Is there a positive example that you can take from your reading of God's word that you say, yeah, you know, I need to do that. I need to be like that. I need to have that kind of attitude. I need to watch this or watch that. And then is there an action to take? Is there an action to take? And, you know, sometimes, sometimes the Holy Spirit does that in some unique ways and uh, you might be reading your Bible and praying and God puts a person on your heart, doesn't he? And Maybe it's a relative, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's been someone you've not had contact for a while or maybe it's someone you know is going through deep weeds right now and the Holy Spirit brings them to your heart and mind and Say, I, I need to give them a call, or I need to send them an email, or, or jot them a note. Is there an action to take? And the Holy Spirit will show you what that action is. And then lastly, K, is there a new knowledge about God or about Jesus as you read God's word? Is there a new knowledge, knowledge about God or Jesus? Pastor Bob's five-minute guarantee. And here's the guarantee. that if you read God's word five to ten minutes a day, you're going to find it's not enough. You'll want more. And as you read God's word and you let it settle into your heart, 
the Holy Spirit is going to do some amazing things in your life. You're not only going to grow old in the faith, you're going to mature in the faith because you spent time with God. And the God who reigns on high, who reigns for eternity, who's Lord over his kingdom, will not only be that God, but he, most importantly, will be the God who reigns in your heart. Amen.